care to follow along in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll begin reading at verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein you stand. You received it, you're standing, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due season. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. There's so much in this chapter and especially in these verses. And I'm going to endeavor my best today to talk to you about a redemption that started in Jesus and is completed in you. A redemption that started in Jesus and is completed in you. Savior, help us today. Let the word of God become alive to our minds and our hearts through faith that we may receive what you have given to us through your word. We ask these things in the wonderful name of the Lord. And somebody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul is an interesting character because he realizes the blessings that was bestowed upon him as one that was born out of due season. He was not one of the original 12, but he became an apostle unto the Gentiles and always recognized the life that he had lived before and the grace that had been given to him after his conversion on the road to Damascus. He recognizes that I am not worthy of what God has blessed me with, but he gave, God gave him a message to preach and to the Gentile world, he preached it. I don't know how, other than by the anointing of the Almighty, did he come in contact with Asia like he did, but he covered Asia. And this particular verses in this chapter lets us know some of the contact of which drove him to preach the way he preached. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. It is an obligation of the man of God that stands before you, whoever it be, to preach the word of God. I must say, in dismay, that religion today has taken the place of the true gospel. It has become the religion of men. It has become personality-oriented. It has become self-driven. So many times, the failure of the gospel being able to reach those that are really in need of it begins at the pulpit because it's not preached the way it ought to be preached. But he did say, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you received. And the blessing of preaching is that you receive something from it. Not just to be tickling of your ears, not just to be the pleasure of the moment, but that you receive something from preaching that would change your life and help you live what God wants you to live. He said, I preached unto you 
and you received it. Would to God, every time somebody feels this sacred desk and somebody comes to preach the word of God to us, myself included, because I love preaching as much as I love to preach, I love preaching. I love to receive preaching. I love to try to apply it to my life. I've tried to live what God has given to me in hope of eternal life. And the closer that we get to the end of the world, some say 12 years and it's over. Some say 10 years and it's over. Some say you got to quit driving your cars or you're going to destroy the world. Well, let me just inform them that we're really a jump ahead of all of them. It's not so much about not driving your car that's going to bring the end of the world. It's the lifestyle and habits and the time of which God decides that life is over and he's coming back. I'm not looking down the road for 10 or 12 years to try to say the world's coming to an end. As far as I'm concerned, he could come today. And so we live for him and we receive preaching not thinking that down the road somewhere we have to get rid of automobiles or we have to get rid of airplanes. And what's really interesting, really, really interesting, those that are proclaiming this, I think there was 200 jets that survived the, the wind and the torrents uh, and arrived somewhere to talk about all of this. And they put so much carbon in, in the air that they're really destroying it faster than 10 years, if that's what they think. But anyway, enough of that on politics. Why don't we just live for God? Why don't we just receive what is preached? And we live for God today because we know the world could end today. The earthquakes are becoming more numerous. Every year there's increase of earthquakes. Since the, since the invention of the Richter scale and the recording of earthquakes, it has increased magnitudes every year. We've had a storm of them lately just around us. And the other day we sat through a 7.1 earthquake here in Bakersfield that was centered somewhere out in the desert around Ridgecrest. And those earthquakes, of course, is just another sign that the world is in turmoil. The earth is groaning, as Paul said in Romans. So rather than look at what we are doing to destroy, the, well, let me say this first of all before I talk about that. I am not an evolutionist and I am not an environmentalist. I am a conservationist. I believe in conserving what God has given us. Every breath you take, you need to realize it could be your last. Every day you live could be your last. I was preaching, I think I mentioned this to you, but I was preaching it for Brother Ari Prado not too long ago, and I was preaching about conserving the things that we have. We shouldn't be throwing trash out the windows of our car. And uh, it got a little quiet. And afterwards, a man came up to me and he said, I guess you got me today. My wife has been after me for a long time to quit throwing things out the window of the car. And you talked about it today, and I guess I better quit doing that. I always believed, though, he said, that if I threw things out in the car, I was helping people work because I had to hire people to clean it up. The opposite's really true. We need to take care of what we have. It's sad to drive down the streets of any city, especially our city, and see the trash on the side of the road, trash filled up in homes. and whatever. We need to take care of things. So enough of that. We are, we are conservationists. We should conserve things. I do my recycling. I keep three things in my, three trash cans in my backyard. I put glass in one. Uh, I better not tell this because those that are really into precious metals might find my aluminum. But we need to take care of the things that we have. You can throw it away if you want, but you paid for that, so you might as well put it in a container, take it down there, and give it to missions if you don't want it. Because I tell you what they do with it, they take it out here off of Mount Vernon, and they sort through it all, and it goes back to the government. You pay it, they get the re recycling fee, that goes back in the coffers. It doesn't come back. Enough of that. Somewhere we need to realize that whatever we do, we should take care of our earth. But greater than that, we should take care of our soul. This is a battle for our soul. This is not a battle for our flesh. Thank God I've lived the years that I've lived. And I thank God for every day. But I thank God even greater that he did something on my soul. 
The Bible said he restoreth my soul. <laughs> well, that went dead. You know what? We're so interested in our flesh, we don't even care about our soul a lot of times. We take big, big, great care of going through clothing stores and grocery stores and automobile lots and what have you. Look for the best that we can find for ourselves. And sometimes we do not regard the preached word of God that we need to receive for the strength of our soul. Somewhere, my, 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 somewhere we need to realize the greater thing in earth is not about the things that we acquire and the things that we attain and the money that we spend and the places we go and the things that we do. We need to talk more about what we've received in the Holy Ghost, what we've received in the Spirit, what we've received from God, what we've received from the preaching of the Word of God. Don't leave the church thinking, oh, I didn't get anything out of it. Listen intently. There's something in every message for somebody. He knows how to break the bread of life in such a way that he can deliver to each one of us what we need today. I need something in my spirit today. I need it to help me overcome the idols of life and the problems of life and the sorrows of life. I need preaching in my life to get to my soul. He said, I preached it unto you. You received it. And then he said, you stand for it. I get so upset when we as apostolics fail to teach our children strong enough to keep them in truth. Our world and the drug culture and the alcohol world and the habits of our world is destroying bodies and lives. Just the other day, one of the wealthiest families in the world lost a granddaughter to overdose of drugs. Money didn't solve their problem, so why do we chase money so much? Why do we trace all of that and we don't stop and consider what we need for our soul? Oh, if I could preach to somebody today, you need to get your mind on what comes from preaching that can save your soul and then stand for it. Stand for it. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what political party does. The last shooting, the manifesto, I read it and it's sad because he blamed both parties for all that's going on and the wrong that's going on. It's not the parties that's having the problems. It's the enemy of our soul, as was already talked about today, that we are partaking of that more than we're partaking of church and godly things. I say it's time to come to the house of God like we've never been here before. It's time to worship and receive what we can from God like never before. We're at the end of the world and need to recognize the most important thing right now is to see the redemption of the soul of man and somebody be saved for eternity. So he went on to say that wherein you stand, I think it's time to stand. Stand for your family. Stand for your home. Stand for your husband. Stand for your wife. Stand for the church, but most of all, stand for Jesus. That a world will know that we are a church that believes in the Bible. Now, they'd like to take the Bible and start changing all the words. <coughs> they'd like to take all the pronouns out of it. They'd like to take the gender out of it. They'd like to make it so generic that nobody could believe it or understand it at all but we're here to stand for what's right. You know why we like the King James Version? It's one of the oldest. It's one of the best. There are many others, and we use them for commentary, and we read them. But when you're memorizing or studying doctrine, stay with the King James Version. For that reason, there were men that was ordained and threatened with their life if they changed anything in it or made it wrong. That was a carnal side of it. But the spiritual side of it, I believe God has ordained that the word of God, however you read it, however and whenever and whatever you read, you must understand that God is putting his word out so that we could be saved when it's all over with. 
I know they're concerned about the environment. I know they're concerned about our world. And we're only a small part of our world. We can't do a lot to change the world. But the one thing we can change is our world. And we can change what God has called us to be and then stand for truth until Jesus Christ comes. I say it's time for the apostolic church not to give in to the pleasure of the world, not to get into the failures of the world, not to give in to the things that come about by the world, but to stand for what's right and stand for what's true and stand as a separated people. We are a separated people. If they can do all that they do and look like they do, we've spent some time where they're clothing and lack thereof is quite astonishing today but here we are as apostolics how many of you have walked down the street or been in a store and somebody asked you what church you go to who are you you know that's why we're a peculiar people you don't want to look like the world and blend in with them you want to be what Jesus wants you to be you want to stand for the word of God that's right and he went on to say, by which also you are saved. And I like that. I want to be saved. Is there anybody in this house that wants to be saved? You know what it takes to be saved? You know what it takes to be saved? Listen to preaching, receive it, and stand. And then he said, you can be saved. What, a, what an interesting flow of words that he has given to us. But then he said something that's shocking, and I want to spend just a moment on it. He said, if, if, my, that is a bigger word than we realize. It's a small little word, two letters, but it's if. It questions, it brings up doubt. If you keep in memory what is preached. I had somebody the other day ask me about preaching and I gave them our website. Said you can look up preaching every day of your life. But the best thing is to be where preaching is really made in the house of God. Nothing takes the place of church. You can see it. You can hear it but you can never experience it like you experience it when you're in the body. Well, got three people believing coming to church. There's nothing like experiencing it in church. When you're the body of Christ, and I've said this many times, but I've got to say it again. When you're in the body, you're connected with the body of Christ, and it's the blood of Jesus that flows through the body. That's where forgiveness and repentance uh, and the flowing of God's power comes when you're in the body. There's nothing like being in the house of God personally with the body of Christ together, worshiping God. Somebody ought to shout amen. amen. Then he said, if you keep in memory what is preached, unless you've believed in vain, you'll notice the final scripture that I have read to you. He even said that himself. Therefore, whether I preach or whether we live or die or whether we go for right what's right really what he's saying is by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain <laughs> I don't want to live my life and get to the end of my life and somebody say well he wasted all that time and then turned away from God. Oh, no, I want to live for God strong. In fact, I just want to say something. Nobody ought to out-shout us, out-worship us, out-praise us, out-live us, out-give glory to God. We ought to be the ones that gives the most honor to God. We ought to be the one that lifts our hands to worship God. We ought to be the one that's in church worshiping Him. Nobody should out-praise, out-worship us. We are the children of the Most High God. We bear the name of Jesus Christ. We are His children. We've been baptized into his body uh, we bear his name therefore we believe what's preached we receive it uh, and now we're working towards salvation somebody ought to shout with me hallelujah you can get to where you want to be from where you are you really can you can get where you want to be and I'm talking about redemption began with Jesus 
and was completed in you. You can get to where you want to be from where you are. You have to forget yesterday. Stop spending so much time noticing and talking about what you don't like about life or don't like about who you are. Start thinking about what God can do for you and listen to preaching and let preaching get down in your soul and your guts and find out what you really are. Life is only as bad as you can make it. Now there's a twist to that. Life is only as good as you can make it. The real decisions based on you as redemption flows from Jesus and Calvary, it can come to where you are right now. It can get worse. Oh, yes, it can get worse. Why not just stop and say, I am what I am by the grace of God. And what I have believed will not be in vain. In the rapture of the church, I'm going to be there all the same. Somebody say amen. Life is only as bad as you make it or imagine it to be. Oh, yes, it can get worse. Like the individual that complained that he had no shoes until he saw somebody that had no feet. You hold the future to where you want to be. One problem with always looking in the back and the past and the rearview mirror is that you're going to run off of the road that you really want to be on. When you live in the past, the future outruns you, somebody said. Brother Oggs preached the message and wrote a book entitled, Today is the Beginning of the Rest of Your Life. Today is the chance to turn your failures and hopes into the future. Today is the day to find new achievements and new goals for your life. Today is the day to turn your sorrows into new visions and dreams. If you can't stop the waves, learn to surf. Somewhere, get on top of things and write it out. It's not as bad as you think it is. So that's where redemption comes. When you get to the place where you realize, I've made a mess of my life, I've made a failure of my life. I'm going to ride the waves over top of them. I'm not going to let them get me down. I'm not going to let the world destroy me. I'm going to stand for what is right. Ezekiel, the third chapter, 17th verse. Son of man, I've made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked ways, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Here is the crux of preaching. Here is the whole reason for preaching. Preaching is not just to accept you as you are. It's to help you become what God wants you to become. As the song says, I want to be what you've called me to be. I want to be what you've called me to be. Oh, hallelujah. So the scripture says, I've got a watchman. I've got somebody in the pulpit that's going to preach to you. But the same token, if that preacher does not warn, then the blood of those people are on his hands. What he's really saying, church, is the preacher's got to preach it to save his own soul. So don't you want your preacher saved? Don't you want your preacher saved? Then you need to pray for your preacher and tell him I want you to preach it straight. I want you to stay in the Bible. I want a biblical approach to life. I want the answer to life to be from the Bible. I want the Holy Ghost to guide me. Preach to me, preacher, that I can be saved. Verse 19, yet if thou warn the wicked and he turn not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way and he shall die in his iniquity but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity and I lay a stumbling block before him 
This troubled me when I read this and studied and prepared for this lesson. When I recognized the, the word of the Lord was coming from the Lord to Ezekiel to write. And he writes, again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him. And I worried about that. I thought, why would God want to put a stumbling block in somebody's path? Why would God want to stop somebody from being what's right? And then I looked stumbling block up a little more to try to figure out a little bit more why that word is placed where it is. A stumbling block is a hurdle. It's a hesitation. It's a barrier. It's a bar or a hindrance. So let's look at this for a minute. Because not only does the preacher preach to us, but God puts things in our way. A barrier. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, God puts a hindrance there. God puts a barrier there. You know what you have to do to turn against God? You have to get over the stumbling block, the hurdle, the barrier of his blood, his shed life at Calvary, his spirit that is trying to reach you, trying to help you. When the righteous commit unrighteousness and I lay a stumbling block before them. He may die. The scripture said he shall die. You know why? Because people that walk away from God don't pay attention to the stumbling block, the hindrance, the barrier, that which God is saying, you got to get over this barrier to complete your life of sin. Some of you that have ever went the road of backsliding or into carnality or failure and temptation, uh, there's always a place that God gives you as a way of escape to get out of that temptation. That's that stumbling block. That's that hindrance that God puts there. God says, don't go beyond this. You're going to die spiritually. And you cross over that, that hindrance, that that stumbling block, that barrier, maybe somebody said something that you didn't like. And God tries to stop you and say, wait a minute, that's one of God's children. I've got to take care of this situation. There's that, boy, this got quiet. That means I better preach on this a while. Because we fail to realize that before we walk out on God, We've got to be like Judas. We've got to go somewhere close where Jesus is and tell him, I'm walking out. Judas walked to him and kissed him. And one man preached a long time ago, kissing the door to heaven on the way to hell. And the message was a powerful message because everybody that walks out on God has to get past a barrier that God puts up and says, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go that way. I'm putting a stumbling block here that if you cross over, you're going to die. Somewhere we need to realize what God is trying to do when you go through a trial. He's making a way of escape for you. The Bible says that. How about saying, I'm stopping. I'm going to hesitate. That's another word for stumbling block, hesitation. I'm going to hesitate right here. I'm going to stop where I am. A person came to a preacher that I know, and he told the story. A person came to them and said, I'm leaving God. I'm sorry, preacher, I made up my mind. I'm walking out. I'm not going to be back. He said, when you leave this office, sir, he said, would you go by the altar, and would you just thank God? For your children, your job. Thank God for the times that he's healed you and tell him that you're walking out on him because of all of that. He did it. He went in and he prayed. 
And I remember him telling the story so well. The individual came back into the office and said, weeping and crying, I'm sorry, sir. I started thanking God for the things that he's done for me. And I can't walk out on him. I can't leave him. He's done too much for me. I ask you tonight, church of today, has God done anything good for you? Has he ever put a stumbling block in your way, a hesitation, a barrier, a barricade to say, don't cross it or you'll surely die. He put something in your way to stop you long enough to say, I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to make it. I want to overcome. I want to live. So I lay a stumbling block before him, a barrier, a hesitation. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Somewhere a preacher has to preach what God has put in your ways trying to stop you. It may be a powerful Sunday night service. It may be a service that you set in your pew and you gripped it with your hands until your knuckles turned white hoping the altar service would close and be over so I could leave. And you walked out, and now you have trouble feeling God. You have trouble reaching God because you crossed the barrier, which God said, you know what you have to do? You have to come back and cross that barrier again. Get over it. Get over it. Have you went through a struggle? Get over it. Step over it. Get back on the side of God's grace and mercy. Get back on the side of where God says, you're my child. Redemption begins with Christ, but it completes in you. Recovery starts in Christ and completes in you. Verse 21, nevertheless, if, I, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned also Thou hast delivered thy soul, my. No wonder Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I thank God that we have a worshiping church. I thank God that we have a church that loves preaching. I thank God we have a church that people love to come to the house of God. Some come late, but thank God for those that come. Aren't you glad you have a church that loves you? Aren't you glad you have a church that you're not ashamed to lift your hands and worship him? Brother Steve, aren't you glad you came to a church that didn't say to you, you can't raise your hand, you can't say amen? Aren't you glad we have a church that has redemption for all, salvation for all, hope for all? That's right, Manuel, for you. There's salvation and there's hope for you. we got to recognize that God's salvation begins at Calvary, but it's completed in us. And the preacher will deliver his soul. My, what do you want to be identified with? Salvation that saves your soul or the world that pampers your flesh? Which is it that you want to be identified with? You want to look like the world because you're ashamed to be a Christian? You're in work circles and places where things are not clean and wholesome, and you're ashamed to walk away or say, you know what, I don't listen to that. I'm going back to work. I'm preaching to somebody today. It may not be to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody today. It's time for us to recognize that redemption starts with Calvary, but it's only completed in me. I want to do what God wants me to do today. I want to be what God has called me to be. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. 31. Listen very carefully to this. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we'll look at our own life through the eyes of a mirror, which is the word of God, which James talks about, and look at our inner self, through the preaching of the word of God and judge ourselves, we're not going to be judged with the world. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. What a powerful scripture. We judge ourselves by the word of God. It was Noah's life 
and actions that condemned the world, but he was not condemned with the world. He built a boat to the saving of his house. He saved those who would believe. Today, we preach, Paul said, you receive and you stand and you're saved if you keep in memory. Let God work in your life. James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. I know this is a lesson today that not, may not bring you to your feet very often, but what preaching is supposed to do is to save your soul, not pamper your flesh. It's to help you get over the gulf, to get over the, the barrier, to get over the obstacles that keep you from getting back to where you ought to be with God. So lay aside all of that so the engrafted word could be able to save your soul. Be you a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving our own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. How many of us do we hear a message preached and walk away and forget what it should have been for us? Because we may have been looking for what somebody else should have heard rather than what I should have heard. I want to listen to preaching what I can put into my spirit to become what God wants me to become. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end. <laughs> hope to the end that we're going to be saved and there's salvation waiting on us. For the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. The people of our world today do not understand the lust and the perversion that's drawing them. They're ignorant of God's word. Should there be a preacher that could preach to us? Should there be a church that would stand for what God wants us to be? Or should we leave people in their ignorance? their former lust, and let them live that life. I say we need to stand, church. It was preached, we received it, and we're standing. We're teaching our children, and we're standing for truth and making sure that it works right for us. Verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Identify with the world or identify with Christ. You can only work on yourself. Don't try to perfect somebody else, but work on yourself so you can be saved. You can't expect a harvest of something you did not cultivate or plant for yourself. And I want to say that. Again, you cannot harvest that which you are not willing to cultivate, to water, and to plant for yourself. I want to be this, but I'm not willing to do that. You'll never get it if you don't understand the power of cultivating it, planting it, and watering it. And then when the harvest comes, well, I tried last week. Don't try just last week. Try every day of your life to be what God wants you to be. Because it's written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Just make up your mind, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be holy at church. I'm going to be holy at work. I'm going to be holy at home. I'm going to be holy on vacation. Oh, no, don't say that. I'm going to say, be holy on vacation. Be holy everywhere you are because you'll never get the harvest you want if you're not willing to cultivate, plant, and water it, and then harvest it. I must go on. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Know you not that they which run in a race run all but one 
receiveth the prize. That's not talking about an individual. Many sports events rely upon one individual. Some sporting events, they are the only individual, such as golf and tennis maybe. In other sports, they have one individual that is the main player, the strength of the entire team. But when the team wins, everybody wins. And that's what he's talking about here when he said, the race is run by all, but one receiveth the prize. You know what the, who's running? It's the church. It's the body of Christ. And I have a sneaky insight into the old scripture written, the book of Revelation, that we win this thing when it's all over with. So let's stand. What do you say? Let's stand for truth. Let's stand for righteousness. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we do what we do for something that's incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that just beating the air. But I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest it by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is a full circle of what Paul was talking about when he said, I preached, you received. Therein you stand and you're saved if you keep in memory. As the musicians come, I close with this illustration. We've had the privilege to be on some safaris. I went with one with Brother Allard. I'll never forget it. We got in a Purock like a canoe, and we had to bail water the whole time as we were headed towards the wild animals in the water like hippopotamuses and what have you. We had to bail water. Thank God they had a Pepsi cup there. I've had the privilege of being safaris in Africa. The lion and the gazelle is one that I always tell because we were out in the field late one evening, had a flat tire out there with no gun, no stick, just a Jeep with no doors. I don't think we even had seat belts, just a canvas top. We had stopped right by the carcass, freshly killed animal by lions with a flat tire and the sun was going down. We finally got it fixed. On a road we came to a little valley and I spotted over to my left two lionesses crouching and stalking gazelles. Over to the right was a lot of little gazelles. Now gazelles are cute little animals. They're not very big. They have two horns that seem to curl as they grow straight up. And it seemed as though the kids, Gazeel, was playing in the yard and chasing one another as these two lionesses was looking for dinner, crouching. It's interesting to watch a crouching lion that is seeking its prey. His shoulders and back does not move from where it is, only his feet move slowly and their eyes are focused focused. All of a sudden, some of the older gazelles and some of the older animals such as zebras and wildebeest spotted the two lionesses and they started screaming. You heard the noise. The baby gazelles stopped their play and recognized what was going on when suddenly two lionesses made their attack. Those gazelles outran the lion. And we said, because everybody in the Jeep was saying, no, those gazelles are too pretty. They're too cute. No. They outran them. So they turned around and went away. And we turned the Jeep and went over and parked by a bush. When we parked by the bush, these lioness came right by us. And suddenly a warthog jumped out. Now, warthogs are ugly. I mean, their teeth, their, their whatever they are, come way out. They're, they're, 
their snout. I was almost scratched by their teeth. They're ugly. And we said, yeah, get them, lions, get them. Get them. Here's what I want to leave you with today. The gazelle wakes every morning realizing he must run faster than the lion to live. And every morning, the lion awakes knowing he has to outrun the gazelle to live. This is a battle for our soul. And the enemy of our soul wakes every day knowing the only way he can survive in a world of deception is to get you to change from what you are and not be saved by preaching. And we should wake every morning knowing that we have to put ourselves in tune with God and run this race to win. Stand with me if you would. You need a purpose in your life every morning that I'm going to run this race to win. I didn't start this race when I was seven years old to give up now. I don't remember the day that I was called to preach. I really don't. I only remember every day it was my desire to do the will of God. And in third grade, when they asked us what we wanted to be, a preacher was number one of the three. I don't remember when I was called. All I can remember is every day of my life, I wanted to be what God has called me to be. I don't boast today because I'm a failure. I don't have what it really takes to be what I am, but I have something that makes up for where I lack, and that's called the Holy Ghost. That's called the Spirit of God. That's called the anointing of God. You can have it today. It's for everyone that would listen to preaching and receive it. And as we sing today, run to an altar. Run to an altar. You see, you have to run I will be faster than the enemy of your soul to, to live. I say yes. And the devil knows that he has to run faster Though than you to survive in his approach to the world. Redemption began with Jesus, but it's only complete in you today. It's only complete in you today. It's only complete in you today. I want to be saved. I want to do right. I want to be right with God. God bless you. I want to that I may obtain. I want to run that I may win. Oh, sing it, church. Redemption began with Jesus and is complete in you today. Consecrations are being made while minds are being altered, lives are being changed. I'm gonna be what you want me to be.
to want it more than anything in the world. You have to be willing to let the gospel change your life. I will be change your mind, change you your heart. You have to be willing be. to let God do a work in your spirit. I say yes. He restores my soul. Lord, I he restores my soul. My Change when you recognize I will be preaching is important you to you. Me to be. I say yes. Lord, I agree. My desire passionately is to be. the commitment of your life today to be what God's called you to be. Why don't you lift your hands one more time today and make that commitment to the Almighty that I'm going to be what you've called me to be. I'm going to live a life that you've called me to live. I'm going to be a Christian in my life, my soul, my spirit. And I pray, God, for this congregation as we endure a world of confusion, that out of a world of confusion like a whirlwind blows, the surviving of all of that will be the church who's held secure. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. One more blessed thought.